0: Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter
1: and Instagram.
0: Thank you. It's so good to be here. And I was just saying, you know, it's so good to do this with a friend. So <laughs> it's nice to do this this morning with Alison as well. It's been great to work with her over the past year. So this morning, um, I just want you to start by asking you all a question. Who here gets easily frustrated or uses the word, this is so frustrating? Well, I definitely use that and I'm going to confess that I've probably used that this morning and I've used that phrase far too much and it's probably because I'm quite an impatient person by nature. Now I know that might be a shock to some of you but (laughs) just ask my kids and my husband for the truth and I'm sure they'll fill you in. I once had a magnet that I had on my fridge and it said, Lord give me patience but give me it right now. And that was like, you know, that's a, that's a true prayer for me. And um, one of, the, you know, that, that old Christian cliche, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, God gave me a really incredible husband who is so gifted and talented in DIY, but he does things really, really slowly. So if you've been around us the past kind of four, five, three years, you'll know how I've had to pursue patience a lot more as I wait on my garden getting finished. And um, Peter, if you want to come and help with your steam cleaner, I will sign you up for that. But sometimes we use these phrases like flippantly for really silly reasons, like when we're stuck in traffic or we're watching our favourite football team get beat again. But there are other times when our frustrations are really real and they cause us great pain and great heartache. And this morning the title of my message would be Faith Over Frustration. A few months ago, at the first Monday night prayer meeting that we had, which I would totally encourage you to get on board with these prayer meetings, they have been a real blessing and that you know they're growing and there are amazing things happening in these prayer meetings. But we, were t- we took 10 minutes to pray for our new building and people were praying out loud and I was praying inwardly and I was just you know, saying to God, like, "Oh, this is so frustrating. I'm so frustrated about this need that we have. And I felt that God just spoke to me and said, to never let my frustration get bigger than my faith. And it was a wake-up call for me, because I was making the need much bigger than the supplier of the need. And my God, it says in Philippians 4:19, and my God will meet all our needs, all your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I was letting this frustration build up and affect my attitude, and even how I was processing things and how I was praying for things. So I've since been on a journey of responding to this thought and how I would change my prayers and how I continue to seek God to supply in all areas that naturally that I can get frustrated in. So like how we have been praying for our church building for many years, many of our biggest frustrations will come from the promises that we've been claiming for and praying for for many, many years. That longing for a spouse, for a child, for a home, a breakthrough in our finances, a job, ministry, that maybe there's like a health need. You know, these frustrations are so, so real and they're the ones that cause the tears to fall in the quiet places. Well, in Genesis, there's a, a lovely story. there's a great story about Abraham and Sarah. And I love this story shows how faithful God is in our midst of frustrations. Genesis fifteen one to six. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness you know I really do imagine that this longed for child for both Abram and Sarah was a huge frustration for them both seeing their friends and people around them having many many children and not knowing why their prayers weren't being answered and why it wasn't happening for them with no option for medical help like we can have now there was no answers for this lack that they were experiencing but this vision that that God gave to Abram must have been a huge boost for his faith as it says that he believed the Lord and trusted in his promise to him. have you ever had a prophetic word spoken over you but then if you're like me you try and work it out in your own head and like trying in the natural work and how's this going to look what's it going to what does that mean when will that happen what can i do to speed this along or what can i do You know, there's been many times in my own life that I've been frustrated waiting for things and there's still some things that I'm believing for and, you know, in in my own strength I would, I try to make things happen or, you know, but we just have to be patient and wait and that is so much easier said than done. Well, Sarah thought that she had the answer to this promise and tried to do things her own way. It tells us in Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave and perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now we read that and we can understand that her frustration did cause her to take things into her own hands and manipulate the promise. But look at the huge damage that she'd done. Her marriage is hurting. Relationships with those around her, like Hagar, have completely broke down. And she's realised that this answer really wasn't the best one and the consequences to her actions are now irreversible. As it tells us that later Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave him the name Ishmael. So Abram and Sarah maybe thought that Ishmael was going to be the answer and with no way for them to see the whole story, you know, we have such a blessing, we can read their story in Genesis from start to finish and we can see how it unfolds, but they had no way of knowing what was going to happen. And I'm sure some of us maybe make assumptions when things like this happen in our own lives. So in Genesis 17:18, Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. But God replies later, And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him and I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He'll be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. See, Ishmael was born out of frustration. And what today are you bringing into being from your own frustrations? It could be taking the easy way out of of a tough work situation and accepting another job when you know that God has quite clearly asked you to remain and to be faithful in where he has put you. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe that you know that you need to move into a brand new role and you're quite frightened of that role and how it's going to pay the bills and so on. Well, I'm sure that Sarah was completely beyond having a child physically, but God made a way for her. And God can also make a way for you too. As I grow in my own life and I get older and hopefully a little bit wiser, I'm learning from mistakes that I've made. And I realise that impatience can cause so much heartache. There's a good reason it is mentioned as a spiritual fruit and one that I try to pursue. Because my own impatience and my own frustrations have caused me to say the wrong things to people at the wrong times, making rash decisions and so much more. And like I said, I daily have to ask for this fruit to be evident in my life along with all these other great spiritual fruits. So I love watching sport and if you watch football this time of year even this weekend, you know there's this like a huge weekend for many teams as a boiling point for them there are must-win games their tensions are super high their um, tempers are flaring we saw that yesterday and there are many many frustrated players coaches and some fans as well but often and unfortunately these frustrations if not managed well end up causing really rough tackles ones that will cause pain for others and there will be like repercussions with the yellow and red cards so we have to manage our frustrations well, and I mentioned about the building being a huge frustration for me. And there have been times when it has maybe stopped me from from doing things because we were like, "Oh, we can't do that because we don't have space," or "We can't do that because we'll wait until the next, we'll wait until we've got the new building, we'll wait, wait, wait." But I really felt God challenging me on that at that prayer meeting, and we'd been talking about launching um, our toddler group launchpad, and a few weeks ago we took that step and we we stepped into that. And it's been such a blessing. You know, it'd be easy to wait until we had the new building. It'd be easy to wait until we had more storage and all the logistics in that. But, you know, I just felt God asking us to move. And I'm so glad that as a team, we did that. We didn't let our frustrations halt us, but we moved on and it's been an absolute amazing week. Every time we come, new people come. And, you know, it's not even people from church. We have got mums, grands, childminders, dads coming in with kids that have never been in this building before. And, you know, I'm so excited to see... I'm buzzing (laughs) to see what God is going to do through that ministry you know our kids ministry will grow from that our church will grow from that there is so much that we can we can be excited about in that but back to the story and when we keep going with the story it takes a beautiful step forward but just first I want you to pick out this verse from Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. That's quite old, right? And he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. See that promise, two chapters on, is exactly the same as the promise before. And I love that. I love that God never changes his promise. Like if he's promised us something, he's faithful to that. You know, we just have to trust him with it. But he, God asks us to be faithful here. As Christians, we're to be full of faith, we have to trust in God's ways for our life. And then in, in that chapter, God changes both Abrams and Sarah's names here to Abraham and Sarah. God might not actually change our names that are on our birth certificates, but when we accept Christ and we begin to live a life full of faith, we are made brand new. We are not who we once were and we, we begin to live with a new purpose because of our brand new identity. So then Sarah miraculously, the miracle happens, and she becomes pregnant. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised him. That's so good. You know, God has been faithful to his word. And I'm sure she loved sharing this news with everyone. Her new son, Isaac, was this child of promise. Isaac was born out of faith. The promise was delivered with so much joy for this couple and when we read Hebrews 11, known as the faith chapter or faith in action, we read in verse 1, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I love that in that chapter it speaks to all these different people in the Bible but Sarah is mentioned by name and by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So this morning I would love to encourage you to keep trusting and to keep being faithful there is if there's something that you're believing for keep praying for it and trust that God is true and his plans for you are good and never changing. and there are times like Sarah we've maybe made that kind of hasty mistake and ended up trying to do things on our own strength and getting ourselves into bits of like tricky situations but God's plan is still better for us like I said, Ishmael was born out of frustration, but Isaac was born out of faith. So let's operate in faith this week. Let's see the good things. Let's see the better things. Let's build not on our frustrations, but only on our faith. Amen. Father, I just thank you for that encouragement that has been to me. I thank you for what you've done in my life, um, just seeking these good things and seeking you above all frustration, seeking you at everything that's good and everything that is better, Lord. And I just pray that that will just encourage hearts this morning, Lord. I pray that you will just help us to, to, to not get too frustrated, but just to seek you and to lean on you and to, to trust you for your goodness and to trust you for your faithfulness is, is so true, Lord. And I just pray that as Alison shares this next up. Op- um, subject with us, Lord, that you will just bless her and you will speak to her and um, speak to us through her this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank, so
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Kirsty. That was so good and such an encouragement and challenge to all of us, I'm sure. Um, so, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here and such a privilege to open God's word together this morning. When Kirsty and I were kind of praying about what to share, um, and seeking God and what we thought we would share this morning, we both very much felt that the topic of faith was put in our heart, and um, we've both kind of got different um, angles from that, so um, Kirsty just shared so excellently, and I know we'll all be um, encouraged by that, but I'm going to just take a few moments to um, think about the idea of faith over fear, and um, I'm sure many of us have maybe heard this phrase before, or um, heard it been preached on before, but I'm going to just look at three kind of main passages um, in the Bible this morning, and how we, what we can um, take from that. So the first one um, I'm going to look at is Paul's letter to Timothy, where it says in Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline." I think this is just such a great place for us to start this morning when we're thinking about this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God, but it is real. And it doesn't mean that it's not something that we all face in our lives at some point and maybe people feel that they have it hanging over them this morning. Fear of ill health or a bleak diagnosis, fear of lack of finances, fear of unemployment, fear of losing a loved one. Perhaps the fear of growing old or the fear of our children growing up in a world that seems more and more fluid each day. Fear of how we're going to pay our bills, how we're going to put petrol in our car, how we're going to buy the kids' birthday presents, and the list could go on and on. It's not from God, but it is real, and God understands that. And I think that's one of the things I love most about God, is his empathy towards us in every season, in every situation. He understands us, and he is for us. But he loves us too much to allow us to live in that state and to stay there when we read that it's not from him. But what does that look like? What does that look like daily in our lives when we're at breaking point? Our things are just looking really uncertain around us. What does having faith actually look like? There's been some really difficult times in my own life where I've been encouraged to have faith or to trust God. And while this is absolute truth and straight from the Bible and core to what we as Christians believe and declare day in, day out, in those really difficult, dark moments that can appear unhelpful and unapplicable. So what does it look like? How do we live out faith and put it in place of our fears? I think the best place to start is to look at the life of Jesus. Someone who faced the ultimate fear of going to death on the cross, but remained faithful and steadfast in God's plan and will for his life in the most incredible trial more than any of us will ever, ever have to face. And I want to just read some words, first of all, from John chapter 15. Jesus spoke and he said, I am the true great vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce more fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And you can read on this chapter and discover more about the idea of remaining in Jesus and what that looks like. And we know in this chapter in John 15 that This is Jesus last night with his disciples before he would be arrested. Jesus is getting closer and closer to death. Yet he chooses to present us with an invitation to remain in him. In some translations use the word abide. Just to stay with him and stick with him even when fear is facing him right in the face and might be facing us too. And maybe at this point, Jesus was thinking about the fear of abandonment, perhaps, that the disciples would feel in the coming days as he dies for three days and all hope seems lost. But he's saying, don't give up. Don't give in to fear. Remain in me and you will see fruit. And they did. They saw the biggest and best fruit that any of us have ever known and will ever know. The same message for us and Jesus is saying, I know it's hard, I know it's confusing, I know it's uncertain, I know that it is scary. But remain in me and you will see the fruit in your situation. And Curtis encouraged us so amazingly this morning about that. And I think it's so important to outline here that Jesus gave the disciples advice and an invitation to remain in him in all circumstances but he didn't give specific details of how to do that or what that would look like in relation to the fear that they were about to experience. They faced the death of Jesus on the cross, but they were being asked to remain in him. I think we can apply that to our circumstances too. When we are facing fears, we might want specific answers or advice. We might want instructions of how to get out of the mess we're in or skip past this part of the story. And I know that I've had some really, really tough times in my life where I've just prayed and asked God to just lift me out of it and take me to the next thing. But, so perhaps this is why the have faith and the trust God advice that people give us can seem unhelpful or maybe even just hard to apply. But here Jesus gives us an invitation for our roots to grow deep down in him. And in the middle of our fears we face to remain in him. We're not being asked to single-handedly reverse the diagnosis. We're not being asked to go and rob a bank to pay that bill. We're not being asked to solve things on our own. We're not being asked to even face our fears. We're being asked to remain, to abide, to stick with them in the midst of it all. And when we remain with Jesus, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, we get closer to the Father. And when we get closer to the Father, we can be transformed by the Spirit. And that's what we celebrate today on Pentecost Sunday. So what does it look like to remain in him in the midst of anything that we might be going through? To explore this, I'm going to look at two people in the New Testament who remained in Jesus and stuck with what they knew about God in the midst of a terrible situation. They didn't try and solve it or fight it on their own, but they just stayed with God and they saw the most amazing fruit at the end of it. In Acts 16, we find the story of Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into prison. The uncertainty of beatings and constant abuse. How long were they going to be there? the fear of the direction that their life would take if and when they ever got out. Yet they had the ability and they chose to remain in Jesus, not to fight it or solve it, but just to stick with what they knew. And while Paul and Silas were there, they worshipped And I absolutely love this part of the story where we see such a beautiful example here of the power of praising God and spending time in worship, even when we are facing fear. And I can testify to how powerful that can be in the midst of such hard times. But the most significant part of the story is not only did they worship, but other people found Jesus too, and ultimately they experienced freedom. And this is fruit. So their fears were... Um, while they remained and what they knew about God, they worshipped and then other people were saved. So we'll read that bit in, in Acts just now. In Acts chapter 16, reading from verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of the prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. (coughs) he assumed the prisoners had escaped so he drew his sword to kill himself but Paul shouted stop don't kill yourself we're all here the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas then he brought them out and asked sirs what must I do to be saved they replied believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household and they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who believed in his household Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And just to wrap up here, I'm going to ask the band to come and join us. (coughs) So Paul and Silas, here in the midst of their fear, they worshipped and they witnessed and that saved people's lives. Not just the jailer, but his whole household. And assuming that there were children in that household, that's generations and generations of lives changed and impacted because of what they did. And when they chose to remain in Jesus in the midst of their fears, not to try and solve it on their own strength, not to try and break out of prison, but just to remain and hold on to what they knew about God. And lives were changed, not just theirs, but others around them. And surely this is evidence of the fruit that Jesus is talking about in John 15, when he says that those who remain in him will produce fruit. And I believe that God can produce fruit from your situation today, out of your fear, whatever it might be, and out of your faith as you remain in him. And wouldn't that be amazing if God used our biggest fears to actually impact people around us? Whether it's an encouragement to other believers that God is faithful and standing in his faithfulness faithfulness in the midst of uncertainty is powerful. And I know that I experienced that in some really difficult times, just seeing the encouragement of other people around me is so good. Or whether it's non-believers looking at our story and the way that we face our fears and thinking, wow, I need that. I want that. I need that in my life. I need that God in my life. Life's changed generations impacted and God glorified. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness that's over each and every one of our lives. And God, I just pray this morning for anybody who might have come into this building today, God, with fear hanging over them in whatever way. God, I thank you that fear is not from you. And God, I just pray against anything the anyone would try and do, God, and just break off that fear and pray that you would replace it with peace and joy and love and goodness. God, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And I just pray that over this room today. And God, I just pray that you would use us in the midst of our situations. God, use us and to, to impact those around us, speak to us, and speak through us. And I just pray that we would know that today, and the rest of today, this week, as we go ahead, and that you be glorified in everything that we do, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel
0: free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk, Or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.